0: all right welcome back
1: hi guys my name is dr Callie hale
0: and i'm dr kyle hale
1: and we are here today to talk to you about sleep disorder breathing and anxiety
0: mm-hmm. i'm anxious
1: <laughs> why because i'm going to get on a soapbox again
0: yes um you you're listening to this and you don't know that we're having to record this for the second time because we had some data loss issues but learning curve of doing a podcast and also being full-time everything yeah. Um, we're not literally one thing. We're full time, many things. So, yes. <clears throat> um, and thank you so much to we, who's helping us do all
1: our incredible videographer and editor. We love you.
0: Um, so we are talking about sleep disorder, breathing and anxiety. Um, they are possibly related. Um, we did do a fun, definitely related we did do a fun little, um, I'm going to just talk about an anecdote because we did a fun little, uh, was it called? I got you and Dr. Mathis, Dr. Katie Mathis in hot seat. And I had y'all do some things. Um, this will be coming out on our YouTube. So if you're, uh, if you follow on our YouTube, you'll see this come out in like as a short. Um, but, um, I asked Dr. Callie Hale and Dr. Katie Mathis, some... actually
1: Dr. Katie Goldberg, Oh,
0: <laughs> Katie Goldberg. She got yes. married yeah, a, a long time ago. I gotta, uh, I gotta, I gotta get okay. better at that. But she, uh, the y'all two answered. Um, I had a pop up and I Googled something and I, I Googled a couple of things. I won't give away too much, but one of the things that I Googled was, "Will my child grow out of X. Yes. And so one of the things I said, "Will my child grow out, what my child grow out of is grinding their teeth at night. Yeah. And the number one Google hit was, <clears throat> uh, yeah, absolutely grow out of that by the age of six. Was it six? Yeah. Cause I Googled, will my five year old stop grinding their teeth? And they right. said, yes, by the time you're six, it's a magical birthday. You'll find out <laughs> that a lot of things will auto resolve <laughs> on your sixth birthday. Um, so I went and um, had them answer that. But I was on my phone and I was reading <clears throat> about what I can't remember, what was it? Pen, I think it was like a hospital in Pennsylvania or Philadelphia. And they said something like, well, just make, you know, we are talking about a five year old a five-year-old and said, just make sure they don't have any, try to resolve their sources of stress.
1: Stress. <laughs> you really <What>? catapulted <laughs> with that. And I think mean, Katie and I were like, okay, well let's, and you were like, are you kidding me? Have, do you have a five-year-old <laughs> like, no, it, make their room more Zen, more calm,
0: like talk to their teacher, you know, it, you know, maybe evaluate your parenting style. And I'm thinking like my five-year-old is, is hot and cold, hot and cold, hot and cold, hot and cold. <laughs> and it's, there's nothing stressful about at least our kids when they're five. Um, I understand a lot of kids can go through a lot of stress at five. Absolutely but if your kids grinding, but yeah, teeth grinding separate. Yo, know, I think sec- I think anxiety is secondary to teeth grinding. Um and Well
1: they're breathing. both they're both linked heavily to sleep disorder breathing. So mm-hmm. that's a good segue that yes. you just did. So right. very good. Good.
0: Oh I did that on accident. Go ahead. <laughs>
1: But with anxiety, I mean, whether we're talking about with the kids or even adults and related to sleep quality, I like to, with the parents, use the example of, you know, do you remember what it was like when you had a newborn? Do you remember what it was like when you didn't sleep well and you were woken up multiple times throughout the night? and how easy it was to cry and be sad and be so overwhelmed because you just didn't get the rest and that those the sleep architecture which i reference a lot is so important like you need proper deep sleep light sleep and then rem and you know everything that happens in between those hours and when our kids are are struggling so much to sleep at night and they're constantly being woken up and they're constantly being disturbed they're not going to be ready for the day They're not going to be ready for the day. They're not going to be ready for the emotional and physical toll that their day has ahead of them at school and dealing with friends, any age. I don't care if they're six and have struggling with anxiety or they're teenagers going through the hardest time in their life, figuring themselves out. And they're also sleep deprived. So, you know depending on the ages, I don't care if it's an adult or a kid. I really don't. Cause it's going to be so similar. It's just as an adult, we can manage the side effects of poor sleep way better than a kid. We, we can recognize when we're tired. We can recognize when well, we
0: know when we slept like crap, right? Cause then we can tell people, Hey, a kid I woke is up on the wrong side of the bed day- this morning. Right. Watch out. I'm cranky. Yeah. I, yeah.
1: And, and, but the kids are just going to react. They're going to lash out. They're going to cry more. They're going to throw fits. They're going to throw tantrums because they're exhausted and they're going to manifest anxiety differently. So for example, in the dental chair, if they're coming in and they're going to have work done and they're scared because they have that immediate threat of, you know, danger happening to them, they're afraid the shot's going to hurt, they're afraid, you know, whatever. That's a different form of anxiety than that, because it's an immediate fight or flight. It's an immediate, this is, she's about to stab me or something, which I don't do that, but um, versus anxiety, because Their brain is just overstimulated Mm -hmm. and 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 on overdrive. Like they just haven't shut off. That they've constantly had um, sympathetic nervous system firing throughout the night when they should be resting. And you know, I've I've talked to. I have a patient in particular who came in to see me. He was already being treated successfully, actually, for with his sleep apnea. Um, and he was outside he was of outside of the practice. Yeah. He's using <clears throat> CPAP and loved it. And I mean, it? I tell any dentist, like your job is not to try to get everybody off a of CPAP. That's not what this is about. Your patients need better air. And I tell him whatever form of that air you choose, I totally support. So if your patient's happy on what they are, don't try to talk them into something else. I mean, if they need, con- you know, combination therapy with oral appliance therapy and CPAP, well, that's different, but he came in and was just raving about the fact that, you know, he finally felt better and he struggled with anxiety since he was a teenager and he's sitting in my chair at 35 years old and he's been taking depression, anxiety meds, Zoloft since then. And when he got his CPAP, he got off those meds.
0: So when did he get a CPAP when he was 35?
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. 30s. Yeah. He'd been on it for like maybe a year when I met him And and that entire time. He'd been taking medication to combat a sleep issue Mm -hmm. and he was off of it. And he was like, I can't believe I don't have to take that stuff. It's fantastic. So that's why it's no different with kids. I mean, I talk about all the time. I'm like, we've got to stop telling parents that kids are going to grind their teeth and they'll grow out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Or that they're snoring is normal and they'll grow out of it. Like that's preposterous, like we wouldn't have snoring adults. If we didn't have snoring kids, wouldn't have tooth grinding adults, if we didn't have tooth grinding kids. So stop telling people they're going to grow out of it and let's fix it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's the same thing for me with that. It's like, if we can get the kids sleeping better We've done our ADHD posts. Everybody's already listened to that. You know, if we can get them off of pharmaceuticals, I don't care if it's a bedwetting medication, anxiety medication, or ADHD medication. If we can get to the root cause, that's what we need to be doing. Period.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Done. All right. See you later. (laughs) So how does anxiety look like? like if you're a dentist out there Cause this is something like since our first episode came out um, and now we're having to re-record this, it's been a while, but, um, and this is the order that we want to do this in. But why is, why do, why am I getting so many messages from dentists asking, how do I screen? Cause like, this is not what I do in my clinical practice. This is what you do in your clinical practice. Yeah. And I'm just thinking like, like, that's a great question because I'm not even asking if, I'm not asking any of like when I was seeing new patients regularly and I would see a a parent, like a a mom or a dad who had young kids, I wouldn't ever think to ask, you know, how's their sleep, you know? And so we're we're sitting here, we're talking about anxiety. Um, What's one way that you can bring up, like say you've got a, it's on our, it's
1: on the very traditional pediatric sleep questionnaire. So we're screening for that. So like just a says, piece of paper the screen screen patient has Literally, to that's out. the first one yeah. is that when they walk in the door, they fill out their medical history and a sleep questionnaire. It used to just be a medical history.
0: Do you think parents fill out their kids' medical histories and stuff better than their own?
1: Yes. Um, the moms fill them out way better.
0: Every single one <laughs> I read, they got like one big line right through all the oh, yeah, Because they're
1: like, I'm fine. And they, but yeah, no, that's very common. That's a, that's a completely different issue. But when they're filling it out for their kids, because they're coming to see me for that issue, they are thoroughly filling it out. I mean, we have a fairly extensive questionnaire for newborns when we're evaluating for phrenectomies for breastfeeding so these are like you know with seven day old babies or whatever um and with the kids yeah they don't they definitely fill it out if everything's zero but i i i I preach on this a lot if everything is zero or like there's a line through it they're not even filling it out i still ask the questions because if i go in and i'm looking at the the teeth and i i see a whole bunch of things screaming at me i mean i don't care if they put zero or whatever i'm still going to ask them and what you will find that's why I tell every dentist, like, please ask the questions anyway. What you will find is they didn't really know why they were filling it out mm-hmm. and they didn't do it thoroughly or they didn't know the answer cause their kids nine and they don't sleep in the same room anymore. So mm-hmm. it was just like, well, I don't think so. I don't think so. And then also some of it's just like, well, I don't want that to be true. So I'm not going to put that down. I don't know if that's a thing. And so it just opens the door for the conversation period. So the, those questionnaires are good because the ADA has called that we are screening. So now we have, we have, um, evidence that we are screening for sleep disorder breathing and sleep apnea across our practices. But even if it's zero, it doesn't stop me from talking about it.
0: So what, what's something that you're seeing, um, like I'm a new dentist, or totally inexperienced dentist at this, and your patient has checked that, uh, or your parent of your patient has checked that they've they've got anxiety, their kid has anxiety, um, or let's actually let's back up and say, no, they they don't have anxiety. They're twelve year old, twelve twelve years old, but they're taking some kind of medication for anxiety. You can look at that. We know that's you know dentists know a lot about pharmacology too, so they see that they're taking an anti-anxiety medication um maybe it's a 14 year old on wilbutrin or you know 12 year old on Wilbutrin, something like that and and you see that how do you start that conversation with the parent like you know maybe the the this teenager's already been in interceptive ortho already had their first bicuspid.
1: Well, now but, you're really thickening the, the oh, dude, what do you want yeah. me to focus on? I
0: want you
1: to that. answer a I've bunch of there. the questions that I'm right. getting
0: about, right. and it's a dentist and I right. don't know how to have these conversations right. with their patients. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, if it's a new patient, you've, you have no experience with them. You don't have a relationship with that child or that parent. And which is most of the time for me, because I mean, I'm just inundated with new patient consults and screenings. Mm-hmm. It. You just have to bring it up. They have filled it out. The patient's a minor. They're with their parent, their parents, their parent and the patient knows that they're on medication for this to help them. So you don't, you don't make it taboo to talk about, you know, I think the way you approach the conversation with the parent is you know, as I'm doing my assessment and I'm going through the medical history, I will say, okay, I see that we're using something to help us with depression and anxiety. So I'd love to know how long you've been on that. We're asking the parent, how long have they been on it? And, and, and is it helping? Is the medication helping? I have treated patients, you know, successfully that have ranged from has attempted suicide to just really depressed and they're trying to work through that. And so I think depending on the severity of, of their, um, mental health issues and what they're struggling with, you have to know as their provider, because in the, in the instance of the, of the really severe one that I'm thinking of, it was necessary to get on pap therapy, an older teenager right away, because I wanted an immediate relief to, to remove the, um, the delay in waiting on appliances or whatever the t- protocols were going to be for that patient right away. And and that's so rare guys. I mean, I I I do more of this than than anybody and I and you just can't wait sometimes. That's an outlier, but this is a sensitive topic, and we have to be ready for that. You know, if they're saying no, it's worked great. We've been on it for a year, and we're really happy. Okay, great. Well, let me tell you what my goals will be as we start your child's expansive treatment. What we have seen is that anxiety has improved once the sleep improves, and I do a sleep study on all those cases. And a lot of the times when I'm talking about pediatric care, I'm really not referencing sleep sleep studies as much because my end goal and treatment plan really rarely changes because the majority of the patients that we see, the majority of the kids are going to be a very straightforward upper and lower jaw expansion, fix the swallowing, breathing tongue ties. I know I made that sound like it was a lot of things, but it's kind of just like this whole package, the muscles and everything need to work well, but there's going to be a, a, a an outlier set of kids that I can identify as this is severe uh, surgeries n- needed for tonsil nanoids or we're on our third school. You know, which we talked a little bit in the sleep disorder breathing podcast. Mm-hmm. And so it, when they're really severe, you need all your information. You need a sleep study. And when and they've never had one, so that's another thing. And if, even if they're fine and they're not there for an airway consult, and you see that a child is on anxiety medication or depression medication, it's a good idea to offer us a sleep study just to make sure that you can't help in some way. And usually my verbiage is just look, we've seen a big link with that. And I want to make sure she's got, you know, everything she has or everything he needs uh, while he's sleeping, that everything's functioning well so that this isn't part of the problem. And it's just something we can check off the list so that we know that's okay. And that's, and that's part of the discussion I have with them because the sleep screening with a sleep study is so simple and so valuable.
0: So I think that was awesome. Guys, please help me out (laughs) because I don't know not enough and um, I'm really just trying to like, listen to what you're saying. And like, if I was listening to you in my car on my way to work, like how would I, what would my, be my next question? Um uh, that's always so frustrating when I'm listening to a podcast and the interviewer just lets like some big thing just slip on through. Like, <gasps> like all of us are on a cliffhanger and then they're like, okay, well, in I'm our next episode with our new, uh, new guest. So, um, I guess what I want to switch over to now is, um, let's see. I'm, one thing that while you were talking that I realized is that a patient is, who's on any kind of really anything for anxiety, it's not an oral appliance. So you're not actually you're not going to be replacing anything or asking them to do an alternative therapy. And so I think this Wait, is what do, do you? Well, I think this is a big deal because it's like you don't you don't say hey you have to come off your Wellbutrin to do an oral appliance therapy.
1: What no. No, 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 never. So
0: you can do this and get all the benefits, which a lot of them, at least on the surface, are cosmetic, right? Because this is ortho. And so you're getting all these cosmetic improvements, but you're also getting a lot of functional improvements, which is your ability to breathe through your nose, widening the arches, developing the face to where your genes, when you were born, wanted it to be. And you don't have to stop taking this medication. And so I think a lot of parents listening to this, don't want to, maybe they've had some dark moments with their kid that has anxiety. The, of course. Dependence on the severity. Right? Oh yeah. And they don't no. want well, to I don't, do I anything don't, else because they're right. in a good place now.
1: Absolutely. No. And I think that's a good point that you bring up because I definitely don't discontinue meds. I don't prescribe for one. So Mm -hmm. I'm not even, I'm not even part of the let's wean off or let's change. That's totally outside of my scope. Mine is let's see if we can find a reason for why they might be struggling so much and improve that daytime ability to manage their life. I mean, I tell even the adults that come in that are tired, I'm like, look, you cannot repair emotionally and physically from your day when you stop breathing multiple times per hour. You can't. So you so you will you are your tank's on E, you go to bed, you fight for your life all night. Your tank's still on E. You get up and now you gotta go make important decisions. You gotta pay bills. You gotta deal with rude people, you know, cutting you off on the freeway. And so 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 yeah. Like no, we're we're not I'm not saying let's mess up what you've already done well and figured out and like, no, but let's do the sleep study. Let's treat some of the underlying symptoms and just see if things get better. And I work with the physicians with that hundred percent.
0: Awesome. Um, I don't really know what else to ask. Yeah.
1: I think that's a good one for anxiety.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if I'm okay. So I'm a dentist and I'm listening to this. I'm are. On Thursdays, (laughs) just Thursdays, (laughs) um, when or not, not when, but what, what helps me understand the anxiety in the sleep disorder, breathing connection more? Is there, is there a resource you like, or you could send anyone listening to this to, or towards,
1: I mean, a very simple google search will pull up tons of published articles so okay. i usually tell people if you're wanting a physical hard copy of something well then just dig into the literature because you'll find it there's other podcasts there's other information out there on anxiety and sleep disorder breathing really the anxiety depression discussion it's one of the like biggest reported side effects of people that have sleep disorder breathing and obstructive sleep apnea so well, this
0: seems super obvious yeah if it's I was very try obvious to, yeah i think when when I was doing my training it was like a lesbian a lesbian 11, 11 respiratory uh events per minute was normal and so because like well, this is something we track whenever we're doing sedation and so you and so we're not taught you can't ask a patient how many times you're breathing right oh, yeah no exactly and you can't so also you just tell have to do this the like hey, 100%. I'm gonna watch you breathe right and so what we do is we sit in the corner and we ask them about their day. And then we, we count, you know, usually to 15 for 15 seconds and see how many breaths they took. Multiply it up four. Right. And then in my sedation record, that's what I'm writing down 11, you know, sometimes 13 would be higher because maybe they're, you know, they're talking or they're nervous. Um, but if you have to breathe that many times per minute, just awake and oh. just sitting in a chair yeah. and that Same person, I ask them to hold their breath as often at, or half as often as no, they're they having to see I've tried, events. I've totally tried, yeah. yeah. And, no, and just watch them, I bet they start sweating and going crazy in our oh, office, heart rate goes up, all the stuff
1: when they're, yeah, definitely. So,
0: um, well, I well guess, this was fun, yeah, that was fun. Um, we're done, stay tuned. <laughs> Bye.